0: You've tuned in to LocalJobNetwork.com radio, and you're listening to the LGN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment-related. I'm Jacqueline Peterson, and joining me in the Quad today is Azure Mahara. Hello. Trey Cochran. Hey, everyone. And Carly Rubach. Hello. And actually, Carly, I'm going to pass it to you to kick us off for our first topic. What did you want to start off today's show with?
1: Um, it's a topic I'm actually pretty unfamiliar with, so I was hoping to get some input from you guys, and it's about approaching the subject of a raise in your workplace. So I'm wondering, how do you do this with without seeming ungrateful to your boss, and how do you present a proposal? Do you bring materials with you? Um, do you have a good plan going in? Just how do you go about it? And I've never had to or... I've just never had this experience in my past. So I'm wondering if you guys have any advice on
0: asking for a raise. Uh, I personally don't have any experience with it. And I honestly can say that I don't know anyone that has had experience with it or successful experience with it. A lot of times when someone asks for a raise, there's a lot of things that you sort of have to go into it is, you know, your productivity, what you've been doing, um, why you're, you know, you deserve the raise. Um, but honestly, I feel like it's almost like a lost thing.
2: I just don't feel like people argue for raises or, or broach it that and, and mm-hmm. are successful with it. I think, yeah, I think the better way, Jacqueline, to go about it is almost to, if you're going to approach your manager is to say, um, what what can I do to improve? What can I do to get to the next level? Um, and and more go at it that way. Um, how, you know what are things that I need to work on. So that I'm given more opportunities because with more opportunities, that's usually when more money will come. So I think that that might be the better way to look
0: at it. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I'm just trying to think. I have, I have a ton of friends and from doctors to oh, attorneys popular. down to, <laughs> you know, down to um, tray. hourly. <laughs>
3: hourly Trey. You're not at hourly. the bottom <laughs> level, Trey.
0: Um, you know, so I'm just trying to think, okay, when, you know, and it's usually, I think Azure's right. I think when you approach them and say, you know, I'm looking to grow within the organization and um, I want to know what I need to do to move forward um, professionally. I think that sort of sends the mm-hmm. message. But I can honestly say I'm trying to think, I can't think of any one of my friends who have been successful sure. at that mm-hmm. that type of conversation. So I think you're really treading on on water there, and you really have to be very careful mm-hmm. about how you do it. And um, if you decide that you do want to broach the subject of a raise, I think it would be, in my opinion, if I, if someone was asking me for one, obviously I don't write any checks around here, <laughs> but if I was the manager that had to deliver the message, I would probably appreciate it if you said why you were deserving of one, and what has changed since, you know, what mm-hmm. what's prompting right. this? Is right. there a particular reason?
3: And like Azure said, you 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 are. This is, goes hand in hand with taking on more responsibilities, or mm-hmm. or your productivity is going up in the workplace, or you're taking on roles that maybe other people had filled before, and that goes hand in hand with that that conversation that might come up about a race. So you should hope that your um, your go getter mentality and your value to the company will be recognized by that manager that makes a decision like Jacqueline said in that you don't have to get to that point where it gets to that awkward okay I have to approach my manager about the raise mm-hmm. if you're working for an employer um that really has the best interest of you they're going to approach you and say hey these things we notice we realize these are going on you're contributing like this so we want to present this race to you or this opportunity to um take on even more roles in this position and along with that comes a raise of some sort so you um Obviously, every employee will hope that they're in that situation with the company where they'll probably be approached first before it gets to that point because then there is a little bit of tension there. If you are going in, I feel like just naturally for that raise. I know um, an individual at work for a company here in Milwaukee that was a a manager higher up and was doing a lot of uh, CFO level type of work but wasn't getting paid at that level. And eventually that individual approached uh, the higher-ups, and said, hey, this is the work I'm doing. I really think I should be compensated like this. And he wasn't. And eventually left for an opportunity to mm. do that same type of work yeah. with a different company that was willing to pay him for the you know how valuable he sure, actually was. Right. So you risk as an employee if you go into that conversation and things don't go your way, maybe leaving with a little bit of sour taste in your mouth, and then you're looking for other opportunities yep. or you're open. And then as the employer, if you don't take those, That talk serious either on the other end, you risk losing that employee. And if they are valuable in doing these duties that made them in their mind think that they were um, uh, were deserving of a raise, then you have to sit back and say, "Well, can we should we consider this because we don't want to lose them and in what they're contributing to the company?" So hopefully, everyone's on the same page at that kind of a situation. Because if one Side isn't it could be really awkward and Mm -hmm. maybe not end as well for either party. I also
0: think that you have to be patient though too. Sort of hitting off of what you said, Trey. You said two things that sort of stuck out were, um, you know, talking to your manager, and then maybe they're not the one that makes the decision. So then they talk to someone else. I think that that's really key because there's different layers here. We've got degrees of connections, and you might be fortunate where you report directly to the person who makes the decisions. And then they might see, wow, you're really contributing. But then depending on how large your organization is and how many layers there are, maybe the person who really makes that decision is so far removed from you that they don't firsthand see the value that you're adding, the slack that you're picking up, um, other people's jobs that you're doing, staying late, coming in early, working through your lunch. Maybe they don't see that. So then you bring it to that manager's attention. And then maybe, you know, we all have that filtering, the game of telephone. So maybe they filter it differently to their manager. And then their manager filter, filters it differently to the person who makes the decision. So I just feel like even if you tried to do everything according to however it's supposed to be done, there's still a little bit of risk involved because you um, you could, Trey, go, you know, nicely or, or Azure, whoever's doing it and follow the protocol, and then other there's uh, so many other layers involved that it could get messed up. So I think that if you are going to do it, I think that you should really make sure – that you prepare, like you said, Carly. Mm-hmm. Talk about why. Um, maybe put a proposal together. I'd have to do some research online, and then and then follow up on it. Maybe give them uh, a couple months, and then follow up on it. And circle back. I don't know, though. I think maybe you don't have wouldn't.
2: like you a said. A couple months. If you gave them, if you said, okay, you know, I would like a raise. If, is there anything that I need to improve on in the next, you know, so many days that will put Put that decision um, a little bit easier for you in, in you know, in the, the positive side, And it side, might be months, too. Right. I mean,
0: they might be thinking, well, we have a process and we don't do bonuses or raises until third quarter, fourth quarter. And,
2: you know, they might have a process, too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, too, like, pay attention because if there's a, a hiring freeze or a salary freeze – don't go in and ask for a raise because you know what the the yeah, rules. You'll, and you'll what's definitely not be right. successful. <laughs> yeah, right. try to g-
3: gauge, you know, what's going on in the in the company at that point, the landscape of things. Mm-hmm. Right,
2: and I think on the flip side too, this actually um, made me think about the fact that if you, what what you had said, Trey, if you did get an opportunity or an um, an offer for another position, and you wanted to leave, and you went to your company and said, "Hey, I was offered this job." they're offering me this X amount of dollars. Can you meet that? Um, I think that if you did that, and I've read an article on this actually, um, that if you did that, it's, it's okay to do that, but you have to be really careful because it could also show that you're betraying the company, um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, you are willing to leave for the money and that your heart might not be there, that your dedication and loyalty might not be with the company that you're currently with. But on the flip side too, if they give you that, that offer and they say, okay, um, Will we'll match this. Don't six months down the road say the same thing. Hey, I had another offer because at that point they will let you go. I yeah,
0: think we might've read the same article. I, I did read that. That's too. tricky too. Cause
2: yeah, you don't
1: want to sound disrespectful or anything mm-hmm. or be threatening in that way. So you have to really approach that pretty carefully, it sounds like.
3: Well, going back to what you said really quick, Jacqueline, when you said um, maybe your manager isn't the one that makes that final decision, doesn't cut the check, Mm -hmm. and they have to follow that process, would you suggest to our listeners, I know we're all sitting here, none of us really had the experience in this aspect, but would you suggest maybe to our listeners that once you present it to you, maybe your direct manager, you ask them and say, is this something that you feel comfortable with taking to the next level, or would you Want me to address this to so and so, or are you going to speak on my behalf? Because maybe your manager is sitting there saying, I really, they've never had experience vouching for one of their sure. the people under them for a raise or whatever. So maybe their lines when it comes to those kind of requests should go right to X person on that hierarchy right. of uh, how things are are established at that company. So would you follow up with your manager and just say, hey, if you want, I can send this proposal over to so-and-so as well, um, just so that they're aware it doesn't need to come from your mouth, or uh, would you suggest going past your manager at one point if they don't come back to you? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, obviously I'm waiting for the advice here. So just to our listeners, they feel like they're not maybe getting anywhere with going to that direct manager. They're not sure what's happening after that direct meeting what's that next step then?
0: I think you're right. I think you have to say, you know, here's, you know, you have it together, you have your reasons, your rationales. Um, And I think that you're right. I think you want to say, you know, what is the next step here? Is this something that you're comfortable bringing to your manager? Or would it be better if maybe I talked to that manager? Or sort of where are we? Because this is something that I'm passionate about and I want, and I would like to know how I can continue growing. And then and then get your answer from there. But I also agree with Azure that um, you certainly don't want to go around your managers mm-hmm. back. You want to let them know. And, and it, I think it's okay to give deadlines. I think it's, mm-hmm. you know, can we circle back in a month? Can, and maybe you don't have a month. Um, yeah. But you, you know, you should say, can we talk about this, you know, in a few weeks and, and see where to go from there. But there are also other perks to the job. And it's beyond just compensation. Trey, what did you want to add to that?
3: Yeah, I had a topic I was thinking about when I was flashing back to my days approaching graduation and I remember going into Not that long ago. <clears throat> not that long ago. Come on, Jacqueline. Don't 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 put me out there. Um I I went into an in like an employment staffing uh firm that was looking it looks to place uh individuals in long-term positions and whatnot and this was during the process where I was interviewing with different companies and just trying to get my feelers out there see what's available as I was approaching graduation I remember I sat down with one of these recruiters and employment companies and they had their sheet there and they said all right one through five what are the most important things you're looking for in a job well I didn't know I've been in college the last four years been playing football working internships just going to school and I I didn't know what was important to me at that time so I would say if I went back then maybe I would answer differently. I I didn't end up um, finding a position through this recruiter, but they definitely brought different sorts of positions to, you know, in front of me said, hey, these, these things highlight these things that you're interested in, or these ones really focus on your top two that you're looking for. So I was wondering if any of you want to reflect on maybe when you were first entering the workforce, what things you thought were important when looking for a career compared to now, if that's changed at all, or if you've basically kept the same things and I'm talking uh, everything from your compensation your, your your monetary compensation with your salary or your hourly wage to uh, vacation time and the type of facilities you're working and the people um, those kind of things and just kind of wanted to see what everyone's opinions were on this topic because we might have some job seekers out there that are wondering really what should be at the top of my list when I'm looking um, for a job because they're not really sure how to gauge those different uh, benefits.
2: I think um, one thing That I looked for in a position when I was first out of college was obviously you look at compensation. I think that goes without saying for everybody across the board, um, and then benefits, your insurance, things like that. Um, But flexibility was another big one for me, and um, just knowing that if you needed to, you know, for family reasons or whatever, um, that you had kind of a flexible schedule to work with. And now working here, we kind of have, you know, we and in the last show we talked about this is how things are and that it is very these are your hours, this is what you do. And and I thought that that would bother me at first, um, but you kind of get accustomed to it. You know, you, you you're able to work with it. And I think that that before was really, really important to me and it still is. And I, I still feel like there is some flexibility here. So I don't feel like I lost out on that a hundred percent, but, um, I think it brought to light other things that are important to me. Um, you know, I, I definitely still hold like insurance, insurance and, and the package that you have and things like that. And that, you know, So
3: like the more experience you have in the workplace, as you go throughout your career, you really start to realize. What are some of the things that stay consistent with each position? Or I mean, a lot of individuals do go through career changes, and uh, you can look back and say, all right, these were the things that were important to me at all three places, and th- I adapted to the flexibility thing. So then you start to realize what you thought might have been important to you before isn't as or something you can right, work right. with Right, right. It's more an more evolution part. process. Exactly, and then some of those things are just... You need, like right. you said, your insurance, your benefits, that or your 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 health care, whatnot. What and I not.
2: think that for you know our job seekers out there, or, or any of our listeners that are working, don't not take a job because you think that you won't get that perk, and it's really important to you. You know, think about it. Really think about it. Put some thought into it, and see if you can be flexible with the lack of flexibility, if you will. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So see if you can work with not having A, but having B.
1: Yeah, and I. I feel like when I or when a lot of people look for jobs, you know, you look at the compensation and you look at health care benefits and that sort of thing. But for me, something that would keep me at a job, I think like atmosphere and people is pretty important mm-hmm. because if you don't, I mean, you see these people every day, you see these people more than your family a lot of the time. So it's important that you can communicate with the people you work with and that you don't have to be best friends with them, but... There should be a level of respect among your co-workers. And I think that's really important with sustainability in a job and in a workplace in general. So yeah. that's important. I would definitely to add to
0: that. And, and uh, just to take a step back here for those job seekers out there listening, when you are interviewing for a position, um, besides the – well, no. When you are interviewing for a position, compensation – um healthcare benefits retirement hours vacation time PTO whatever it is that conversation does not happen mm-hmm. until they make an offer. offer. I'm glad you said that. So <laughs> I think we talked
3: you, about this before. Yeah, and yeah. let's
0: let's be clear on that because um, when you're interviewing, so there are several steps to the interview process. You you interview for the first one, and then they decide if they like you, and they might move you on or whatnot. And then when they say, "I would like to bring you in for an offer," that's when you can have the discussion about benefits, 401k, compensation, vacation time. No other time do you have that conversation prior to that meeting. And I know in high school and in college, they say, oh, you need to find out what your benefits are and this and that and the other. Times have changed. So when you you know, we're, we're, yeah, this market is, as Trey is saying, it's the market. And, you know, not that you have to be desperate for a job by any means, but you need to know when and how to say it. And the first interview Any interview besides the um, offer is not the appropriate place to have that conversation. And like I said, I know that I was taught in high school and in college oh, make sure you ask, you know, you've got to pay those loans off. You need to make sure you're going to a great organization. You're going to find that out in the offer and you can decline or you can negotiate those sorts of things that we sort of talked about with the first topic here. Um, maybe maybe nego- maybe, th- maybe, the raise is, is non-negotiable, but, but maybe extra PTO days is, something like that. Um, but I just want to be clear that that's where it is. Um, and yeah.
3: Yeah. And I'll go back to even to, I agree with you, Jacqueline. I'll go back to what Carly was saying about the atmosphere and the people you're working with. I have a lot of friends that are uh, now finishing up school or have finished up school and are looking at positions and they'll um, often email me their offer sheets from different positions and they'll say, hey, what do you think of this, Trey? Look at this. Because obviously, like I know Jacqueline has said in previous shows, everyone assumes that we're HR and employee-related employer, <laughs> employment <laughs> experts. So Naturally I get those emails sure. with those attachments. So I look right I'll look <laughs> down and I'll look at the I'll look at the, the offer sheets and whatnot and the first thing I do is I'll break down some of that stuff for them. I say, Well this really stands out. This is what I've seen in other positions or I've seen other employers offer. This compares very well or even is even better. But then I always will email or text or call them back and say, Did you get a tour of the facility and did you meet who your direct manager is and did you meet any of the people on your team that you'd be working with? And if they say no, what i suggest doing is next time you go in for the next stage of the interview if it's to accept or whatever shoot a person the email at that company ask if you could come tour a little bit and meet some people because i said no matter what you're offered on this offer sheet these numbers you're going to want to work somewhere where you feel comfortable where you want to get up every day and go see the people i don't i don't care how much they're paying you it's going to you don't want to be miserable every t- day you go to work but depending on the atmosphere and the people you're on so they go oh i didn't even think about that go meet their manager shoot me an email back or text, oh, uh, they're awesome. I'm so glad I met them because this now it's not even a question. They don't even consider those two offer sheets because they're really similar when you start breaking them down. Sure. I mean, you're talking about, you know, dollars here and there, and then they meet the couple managers and they say, really like that person. I could see myself uh, clicking with them and having a good time while doing work. So uh, I think that's very important when you're considering a job. And, make, and not all companies offer that, to go around and meet some people and, and really get a gauge of where you'll be working in a building, who you'll be working with, and I think that's just as important as that offer sheet in behind closed doors uh, during that time when you're being offered the position.
0: I agree. And and speaking of managers, sometimes we work with people who tend to micromanage. <laughs> uh, yes,
2: yeah, so that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, I think that it, it's going to happen no matter where you work. There's going to be you're going to in your career at some point run across a manager. Um, or somebody, or maybe you do it yourself, um, but there's gonna be some kind of form of micromanaging that you're gonna come across. And I think that it's not always a bad thing. Um, And the reason that I say that is because, you know, if, let's say, um, I have something that I need to get done and I want to have Carly check it over, and then once Carly's done checking it over, I have Jacqueline check it over, she gets done checking it over, we send it out. Whatever, let's say it's some marketing collateral. if and you know, God forbid, there was a mistake on there. Um, you know, now all three of us can get together and find. Okay, well, now we have a plan. This is how we need to go about making sure that this never happens again. And um, you know, everyone's kind of held accountable. And so I think that that's the positive of micromanaging. And the the hope is that with all those steps, that we wouldn't miss anything. So if I miss something, and Carly missed something that Jacqueline would catch it or you know, however it would go. Um, so I think that um, I just kind of want to get everybody's opinions on if you've ever dealt with micromanaging how you've dealt with it.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with Azure on that. Like she said, I think no matter where you're at in your career, or different jobs, you're going to run into a situation where there's micromanaging going on. and. I think it's it depends on the person, the manager has to realize, does this person need micromanaging to get these things done or are they a very high functioning individual that actually just does great work and me micromanaging them might be holding them back or preventing them from getting work done at a better rate and more efficient and really completing the task at hand. Uh, I know personally, uh, I can look back to a good example is when I played football, um, I remember my freshman year of college, I had a coach. That before every play he would hold up a whiteboard on the sideline that told me to be ready for 30 different possible things that could be coming and I'm looking at him trying to focus on the game and he's trying to tell me what to do every single play and critiquing what I had just done on the other play and it just it lost it made me lose my focus. Next year I had a different coach who prepared me for the the game plan or a task at hand if you want to relate that to the workplace and then when it came to game time let me go out there and play. And I performed at a way higher rate. I'm someone that takes pride in my work, um, those things. And I, and I definitely am an efficient person. So I think that directly correlates to me. Like in the workplace, I would like to do a lot of things um, on my own sometimes. And the micromanaging, I feel like sometimes would get in the way. However, I understand it's a person by person uh, situation. You got to really gauge who you're working with and um, collaborating with because you don't want to over micromanage someone or under micromanage someone else that really thrives in that environment.
2: How did you deal with it with the, the other coach? With, I mean, mm-hmm. y- were you just not successful that year or? Yeah,
3: I would say that my play suffered during those times. And then it just got to a point where you, ha- you have to understand that they're trying to help, but you just have to understand what to almost block out and then focus on. So it's a, a battle between the both. So it got to a point where I understood like, this isn't a way I'm going to be able to play well or perform at a high rate at. So I need to adjust. That, that's his philosophy. And since that's my manager or coach, they're likely not to change their their philosophy on this situation. So what I, de- I did is I kind of dealt with it internally. Like, I'm going to Look over there. I'm going to try to uh, digest what he's saying. But at the same time, I know what works for me and that's going to help the team better. So I, I need to really focus on it this way. So
2: are you, I'm just trying to get. So if, if um, you were to give somebody advice, let's say that didn't get a new coach or a new manager, mm-hmm. um, in, in your experience, would you just say that you have to kind of take a deep breath, internalize it, know that that person's micromanaging, but you're going to do things how you need to do them? Um, and just kind of live with the fact that there's going to be micromanaging? Yeah, because you have to
3: understand the the way they're probably maybe micromanaging you is how they're dealing with the whole team. And you could probably see that really works for so-and-so over here. But I understand I I click a different way and I work a different way. So instead of, yeah, getting worked up about it or just throwing your hands in the air saying, "I, I can't do this anymore, just understand that that manager is probably dealing with everyone in the same aspect because they feel like that's, the right way to do it. I'm going to manage a lot of these people the same way, which is goes back to your manager knowing who they're dealing with. They should individualize it between each person. But if they're at that point where they have a lot on their plate and they're dealing with a lot of people, that's the system they work with. That's the processes that are put into place with that company. You just kind of take it in stride, like you said, Azure. Take a deep breath. Know what you have to do to get your work done, how you click, because everyone does things different. Some people make lists. Some people don't. Some people, you know, set reminders in their calendar. Other people don't. They put sticky notes on their computer, all these different things. So at the end of the day, you everybody always does things a certain way to get the job done. Uh, you just can't let that get to you if you're not a fan of the micromanaging. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump you?
0: in here yeah. and say that. Micromanaging, I think there's different, I guess, definitions of it. Right. I think we sort of talked about a few of them. But generally speaking, when a manager micromanages you, it's because you need to be micromanaged. And I think that, Trey, that's what you were getting at. Yep. You need to assess each individual differently and decide, is this someone that I need to constantly follow up on? Is this someone that I don't need to follow up on? And that let kind, kind of come to me. Not that you're like not giving that person attention, but it's kind of like, I trust you. I don't really need to constantly touch base with you. So I think that Trey, what you're getting at is that you have to personally assess each individual and then treat them differently. However, there are different or there are so so just sort of before I go to that topic, If you're, if you feel like you're being micromanaged for those job seekers, I would suggest looking in the mirror and wonder and, and take an assessment. Is there something that I'm doing that is requiring my manager to micromanage me? And then, and then look. In the mirror and figure it out if there's anything that you can improve upon. Maybe you need to make lists and notes and meet deadlines and maybe not pull the trigger without asking right. because there's rules, processes, protocols, regulations that your organization has in place. Um, we've talked about it all the time. Even just being part of the club, you know, you've right. got to follow these things. And if you're not following them, yeah, your manager is gonna definitely touch base with you constantly. And that's because you need it because you're not following the rules or you're not meeting deadline. So I just want to make sure that we're clear that micromanaging happens when it needs to happen. Necessary. Right. Mm-hmm. However, there are, I think, another thing that you hit on, Trey, was that your, your coach maybe had a lot going on. So he just managed everyone this way. And I actually had a situation like where I was working personally with someone on a project and I... I'm used to just getting an assignment, going with it, touching base on a few things, meeting my deadline, and then moving on. And then this other person that I was working on, this project, was just like all over me. Just like, you know, did you do this? Did you do that? And these deadlines were like weeks out, and I'm thinking, (laughs) I just talked to you yesterday. (laughs) How could I have gotten all A through Z done? I literally just talked to you. And I was sort of taken aback because I was thinking, well, I know that I'm a quality employee. I have this flexibility with my current manager. This is someone that I don't normally work with. So actually what I did and sort of, you know, as you're getting to your point, well, what do you do? I approached this person and I said, you know, I'm just a little taken aback by sort of how we're working on this project together. I'm not used to X, Y, Z. And then I gave specific examples. We, We met yesterday, we've had these deadlines and you're already asking where I am on the process. We just met yesterday is this I just want to make sure that I'm meeting your expectation and if I'm missing anything and then this person was like oh no I was just touching base you know I'm sorry that's just how I normally am Mm -hmm. and 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 did and did own up to it and then after that we didn't have a problem I because because I said you know here I said if you give me a deadline I'll make sure I meet it and I'll touch base with you but I don't you know, I'll come to you when I have something. Mm -hmm. And then that sort of was the resolution. Did you want to add something, Carly?
1: Well, as someone who reports to a manager and someone who's new to a company, I'm just trying to navigate a transition right now. I feel like I asked a lot of questions when I first started out. And at this point, I'm trying to... Pull back and really think things through before you know shooting out 20 emails to Jacqueline a day. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I'd rather you ask
0: questions. Right. Than ask. So
1: and yeah, and it's a fine line because you do want to touch base and you want to make sure you're doing well, but you don't want to send out like 50 emails a day asking you know little questions. You know, think about it. Gather a few questions, maybe set a meeting and get it, knock them all out at once. So just trying to navigate that transition is important.
2: And I I think that um, going back to the story that I had originally given as an example, that I made something, um, had a mistake on it, gave it to Carly, Carly missed it and gave it to Jacqueline. Well, let's say Jacqueline is the end of the line and she catches it she now, next time she gives Carly and I something, is going to micromanage it and Mm -hmm. really be on top of it. But if she got that first project, or that first, you know, whatever it was, and there was no mistakes and everything was perfect and it was done on time, then the next time, she's gonna give a little bit more trust. So I think that goes along, just like what Jacqueline was saying, and that's what I was trying to get at the point at today with that topic is um, that micromanaging isn't always necessarily a bad thing, and there are ways to handle it, and you might have, a boss that is just, you know,
3: just always they are.
2: Yeah, they're just very But it's okay to have that like I did. I right. was like, "Whoa, whoa."
0: <laughs> yeah, and then you just have that conversation. On? Yeah. But um, what if your manager micromanages so much that you're like, "I got to get out of here." <laughs> How do you say goodbye to your current employer? Carly you just transitioned Mm -hmm. we're so happy that you did
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) and um it was i was very nervous i had never i'd left a job but it was always like service industry jobs where it's expected that you'll leave at some point so it was difficult to approach and i was very nervous making that phone call and i normally i would have done it in person but i work remotely so it was a phone call and, um, it's a little bit easier. <laughs> it, it it was to be fair, but um, so I I was just very honest. You know, I said I've I I had a I had one reason for leaving the job, and I was very straightforward about it. There was a time a couple months back where he said, you know, we're, we're pretty slow. You might want to look for another job. And I was like, okay. So there was a clear reason that I was leaving and um, I was just very grateful when I talked to him for the experience I had. And I think what was really important is that I offered to work through the end of the year, it was like um, maybe like mid, mid December or something. So I, you know, said, I'll make it my priority to see, you know, these remaining projects through and just let me know if there's anything else I can do before, you know, I move on. And he was just really grateful for that. So just being gracious, yes, being very gracious. And that was helpful. And it couldn't have gone better. We went out to lunch and it was great. So yeah, it was I think I was lucky. And the positive
0: thing on how you (laughs) left that note is that you you can use him later, mm-hmm. maybe as networking right. or a reference. Well, let's hope not a reference. Right. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you yeah. left that door open so mm-hmm. that that relationship is still there.
1: For right, and you never know when you'll see them again, mm-hmm. which we've discussed before. How important and that is. Maybe it's just in your personal her this life. <laughs> 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 um,
2: yeah, I think, I, you know, I'm going to agree with Carly. It's just no matter how much you might want to walk out and you know just throw your hands up in the air and be like i'm out. around like you just <laughs> don't care <laughs> yeah. um, you have to you have to really think about it in the long term and that eventually you know what if what if the new position doesn't work out and you really are stuck in a, in a hardship and you, you want to wa- be a boomerang employee yeah, and you want to come back you know um you know not saying that that would happen in every case but what if, like you said, you want to use them for a reference or, um, you know, somebody that works there ends up leaving and goes and works for an organization that you, wanted, you want to now go apply for. You know, you're going to want to to be in good standing with the employees there. So I just think it comes down to professional conduct and mm-hmm. just being respectful. You know, that employer was respectful, hopefully, to you. So just return the, the courtesy.
3: Yeah, and I think just an underlying topic or, or a principle that, can touch on all of the topics we've talked about today, whether it be approaching your employer for a raise or negotiating perks and benefits of a job, dealing with your manager if you're not agreeing with the way they're managing you, or leaving your job is respect. No matter what you're doing in all these topics today, every time we started discussing that, I thought, you just need to be respectful. Both sides need to be, but you can control how you're going to act in this situation. So, be respectful, be professional, and that might you know, bring down the guard just all the way around and people will kind of open up and just be more real with each other. And that's great. I love people. I like dealing with people. So I would never want to burn any bridges dealing with any of these topics at all. Um, And just keep a positive attitude, be very honest and open because people appreciate that if they can maybe in this situation they know why you're leaving the position or what you're going to be doing and they can maybe relate with you a bit. They could be happy for you. They can encourage you. They can say keep in touch. a you know, like you said, the networking, don't don't burn bridges when you're leaving an employer no matter how bad you perceive the experience to be or or the people there. Just always know that um if you you approach these topics with respect and just realizing that there's a human being on the other end of it. Right. I think everything right here we talked about was go a lot smoother and you'll be happy about it when you look back on it weeks, months, even years from that point.
2: And I think I want to jump in here real quick too. And one more point that I wanted to make was if you do go to an interview for a new position and you're leaving a current one, and let's say you're leaving it because your boss micromanaged or you're leaving it because there wasn't flexibility, do not ever go into an interview and negatively talk about your current employer or your past employer. Um, you know, have some tact about it, be perfect. Prefer- Professional because you know they're gonna see that as if you're saying all this stuff about that employer like what are you gonna say when you leave th- yeah you never this, want to disparage
0: right. your employer current or fir- former and um, I think Trey left us off on a good note you want to keep your dignity regardless so right. that does it for today's topics for um, the LJ and radio quad and if you would like to suggest more topics for discussion, send a message to LJN Radio at LocalJobNetwork.com. For Azure Mahara, Trey Cochran, and Carly Rubach, I'm Jacqueline Peterson. Thanks for listening.